Glory to God. As you're being seated, I want to welcome our viewing audience, watching by way of internet or live stream, however you may be watching. Wherever you are, we welcome you into the service, and we pray that the word will be an inspiration. It will build your faith and confidence that God can be depended upon. Don't ever give up. Amen. God will never say it's over until you win. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at somebody and say, God will never say it's over until you win. Amen and amen. Praise God. Well, we welcome everybody here this morning. I'm Jerry Savelle. I'm the founder of this church. It's been a while since I've been here. I just wanted to know if you remembered me. Hallelujah. Amen. Our prophetic word this year, as we've already mentioned, marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. How many of you are already experiencing that? All right. Praise God. We certainly are. Personally and the ministry is experiencing it. And praise God, I believe the best is yet to come. And I'm so excited that this book has finally come out. Marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. It's written by a guy that you will love the way he writes. (laughs) Jerry Savelle. Hallelujah. This is... I think my 75th book in 50 years. Hallelujah. I I walked into the office one day and I said, I'm going to write a hundred books before the return of the Lord Jesus. Somebody said, well, brother Jerry, you've already written 70. I changed it. I said, I'm going to write 200 books before the return of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. So I'm working on another one right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. You will be the first to receive it. So it's back in the book room and uh, get a copy of it. And I encourage you to read it and uh, study it, act upon it, and God will confirm it with signs following. Amen. We welcome everyone who's here, uh, especially for uh, the Believers Convention, Kenneth Copeland Ministries Believers Convention begins tomorrow morning. Praise God. And uh, we welcome all of you out-of-towners that are here for that meeting. We encourage you to lock in to the word that is being preached. It is my privilege to have been uh, a speaker in this meeting ever since it was formed many, many years ago. Hallelujah. I was, uh, I think I was 30, well, no, I was younger than that. I was about 28 when Brother Copeland started these meetings. And... uh, Now I'm almost 73. Hallelujah. Praise God. But Brother Copeland can't do them without me, so praise God. That's the reason I'm I'm still around. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles, if you will, first of all, to 2 Chronicles chapter 20 this morning. I got a lot to cover, so stay with me. And uh, make a notation of the verses. Go back and study them again. Of course, we record all the services here, so you might want to get a copy of it. Second Chronicles chapter 20, and what I want to talk to you about this morning, is refusing to accept defeat. Amen. Refusing to accept defeat. Our theme is making winners in life. Amen. Amen. And I'd like to say that if you stick around long enough, you will become a winner. Pastor Justin preaches on winning. I preach on winning. Everybody stands in this pulpit preaches on winning. Amen. We don't have a losing mentality. We don't have a failure and defeat mentality. We don't allow people to stand in this pulpit who do. Amen. So God wants us to be winners in life. He wants the prophetic word to come to pass in your life. Amen. And it will come to pass if you'll just apply basic Bible principles. Now, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and the children are, are, and also other beside the Amorites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Look at verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together. To ask help of the Lord. 
Even out of all of the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And said, O Lord God, our fathers are are not loud. Let me say it. Let me repeat it. O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? If Moses had been Texan, he'd have said it a little differently. (laughs) He'd have left out all those thou's and arts. Art not thou our God? Or Jehoshaphat would have said it different. Art not thou our God? Who didn't, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gave us it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever. Now drop down to verse 12. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Notice when you don't know what to do. I said, notice when you don't know what to do. When it looks like it's not coming to pass and you don't know what to do. Then I would strongly suggest you follow this example. Keep your eyes on God. I learned a long, long time ago from Brother Copeland back in the, oh, 1970 or so. That... When it looks like things are not working, don't run from God, run to God. When it looks like things are not working, don't run from the word, run to the word. Amen. So notice he said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah. He went on to say, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And notice, when they didn't know what to do, then they sought the Lord. They kept their eyes on God. They didn't give up. They didn't say it's not working. They didn't say, well, that's not likely to ever come to pass in my life. It might work for Brother Jerry, but it's not working for me. No, that's not what they did. They kept their eyes on God. And then one of them, the Spirit of God came upon and he began to prophesy. And notice he went on to say, Ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you. Now notice what happened. They kept their eyes on God. They wouldn't give up. They wouldn't wouldn't cave in to the pressure. The Spirit of God showed up spoke a rhema from God. Amen. That's the order. Don't give up. Keep your eyes on God. The Holy Ghost will show up and he'll give you a rhema. Thank you for your enthusiasm. (laughs) Now it may not come in the next five minutes. It may not come in the next hour. But what else have you got to turn to? Amen. So say it with me. Don't give up. up. Keep your eyes on God. Wait for the Holy Spirit to show up and listen for the rhema. Now the rhema is a specific word from God. Amen. An oracle from God. God's instructions on what to do. And so the Spirit of God began to say through this man that they were not to give up. Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, go ye down against them. Now notice, that was the word from the Lord. And the bottom line is, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Verse 17, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still. See the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head. With his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. 
They stood up in verse 19 to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And then notice in verse 20, the latter part. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Now, two major instructions. This came from the Spirit of God. This was the rhema. Believe in the Lord your God and believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. Now, the Amplified says, remain steadfast. Even if it looks like nothing's working, remain steadfast. Steadfast means to be marked by a firm determination. A firm determination. Amen. I love in the New Testament where the Bible says Jesus set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. I remember one time, uh, in fact, when we were believing God to, to buy this building and this land that it sets on. And uh, it was back a number of years ago. It was built by a Baptist church. And one day when I was driving by, riding by on my motorcycle, uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, that's the building that I prepared for you. Well, it didn't have a for sale sign on it. I didn't even know the pastor and uh, didn't know anything about the church. But come to find out, they built it the same year we built our uh, international headquarters just around the corner. And... uh, so I told Joe, I said, Joe, go talk to that pastor and, and see what's going on. Well, it come to find out he had called a meeting on Friday night before I come riding by on Saturday morning. He had called a meeting with his church and he said, um, we've been given some more property on another side of town. And I don't know if we're supposed to stay here or move to that other property. He said, so the reason I've called this meeting is we're going to pray and get the mind of God, basically, is what he's saying. And we're going to put both properties up for sale. And whichever one sells first, we'll know that God wants us at the other place. Well, he said that on Friday night. I come riding by on Saturday morning. Hadn't even had time to go to the real estate office or, or anything. And the Lord said, that's the property I want you to have. And so Joe found this out and uh, we found out what they wanted for it. We told him we'll buy it. Didn't have a dime to pay for it. (laughs) What's new? (laughs) You know? And so uh, uh, we agreed for a certain price and uh, uh, we, we drew up a contract, put down some earnest money and set the date for when we would pay cash for it. Told him we'd pay cash for it. And uh, so sometime later, in fact, just a a couple of weeks before the closing, uh, we still didn't have the money to pay cash. And Jesse and Kathy had come to stay with us. And uh, we were going to lunch one day. And Jesse asked me, he said, uh, uh, have, have you got the money to pay for that land yet? I said, by faith, I have it. He said, uh, and Jesse said, I don't know why I said this. It just come out. He said, well, uh, when's the closing date? I told him in a couple of days. He said, well, have you made arrangements uh, to borrow the money in case it doesn't come? I'm driving the car and Jesse's sitting in the back. I turned and looked at him. I said, Jesse, I'm not borrowing any money. It'll be here at closing. And later he told me, he said, I thought immediately of that scripture. Jesus said his face like Flint. He said, I saw Flint on your face. (laughs) And then he said, I saw the look of faith. And just before closing, all the money showed up and we paid cash for it. Praise God. Amen. So you never give up. I'm not saying that it would have been wrong to borrow the money, uh, but I'd made a decision that I wasn't going to borrow money. And so I was determined. The Bible said, be steadfast. I was determined. I had the mark of determination. Resolution, you might say. Uh, Steadfast also means to become unwavering or staunch. In other words, 
Like the apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 and 14, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. When you've done everything to stand, keep standing. What if nothing's working? Keep standing. What if nothing's working after I stood? Keep standing. God's got a one-track mind. You can't wedge anything between. Stand, stand. Having done all to stand, stand. Look at your neighbor and say, having done all to stand. Stand. You know, if you've been doing this as long as I have, 50 years now, you become an expert in the art of standing. Amen. I don't know quit. I said, I don't know quit. I used to be a quitter, but that was BC before Christ came into my life. Amen. And before I learned the word of God, but quitting is not an option. You've heard me say it many times. Quitting is not an option. People give up too quickly today. Amen. It amazes me. Uh, uh, I go to churches. I've preached in uh, nearly 4,000 churches in 50 years in America alone. And many of them I've gone to several times, return visits. Many of them I go to every year. And it amazes me every time I go to see some of the same people that were there the last time are not there this time. I always ask, where's that guy that shouted the loudest? Oh, he's not with us anymore. They don't mean he died. He just quit. You know, but where's that, where's that man that said, amen. I mean, every time I open my mouth, he was amen and everything I said. Well, he goes to another church now. I don't know who came up with charismatic. It should have been cruisomatic. They just go from one hot spot to another. Amen. Their people have been to every church in this city one time or another. Amen. They're looking for the perfect church. One guy told me, I'm looking for the perfect church. Well, I told him, it was actually, it was a woman. I said, well, ma'am, when you get there, it won't be perfect anymore. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Because she just went from one place to another. That's not perfection. <laughs> Amen. I remember Fred Price was with us one time, and, and this lady came up to Brother Price and said, Oh, Brother Price, you know, uh, I, I love your ministry. I love Brother Jerry's ministry, Brother Copeland's ministry, Brother Hagin's ministry. And, and, and I go to churches all over this city. I, I've been to Bob Nichols' church. I've been to Harold Nichols' church. I've been to this church. I've been to that church. And she, I think she really thought he was going to say, Wow, you're one of the greatest Christians I've ever met. He looked at her with this stern look and said, You're no good to anybody, are you? <laughs> wow. Uh, Fred said that. I didn't say that. Fred said that. <laughs> Amen. Well, that's true. I mean, I don't understand people constantly giving up, constantly moving from one place to another. They don't, they don't stay where God plants them. And if you don't stay where God plants you, it's not likely you'll flourish. You know, Carolyn loves to fool with flowers and flower beds and all that stuff. Uh, to me, that's my idea of absolutely nothing else to do. <laughs> but she likes it. And she'll go out there and weed and, you know, shovels this big, just digging around in the ground. And she'll get it all set and get the weeds out and water it and all that. But she doesn't come back the next day and say, this stuff doesn't work. Pull it all out of there. No, you got to give it time. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to give it time. Amen. And it's certainly not because Justin doesn't preach well. Come on. Come on. Justin is my wife's second favorite preacher. I'm number one, Justin. I guess I'm still number one. I don't know. Still the one. So steadfast. What are you laughing at, Tony? You don't think I got the moves? 
Just because you're black and can do it better, that don't mean nothing. <laughs> One day in heaven, I'll have soul too. <laughs> Learn to dance like Vic. So, back to the sermon. Don't quit. (laughs) Stay firm on what God has said. The Amplified Bible says, hold your ground. Hold your ground. In other words, don't ever give up and refuse to accept defeat. Now, did all this do them any good? The Bible says in verse 25, And when Jehoshaphat and the people came to take away the spoil of them, They found among them in abundance both riches, along with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. Notice, if you will not give up, the God that is more than enough will show up. Hallelujah. He won't just bless you. He will bless you abundantly, super abundantly. Can you say amen? More than you can carry away. Now go to 2 Kings for a moment. 2 Kings. And look at verse 7. Then Elijah said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Now notice in each one of these stories, the word of the Lord is really the focus. Amen. Amen. The word of the Lord. What did the Bible tell us in Second Chronicles? Believe in the Lord your God. And believe in his prophets. That you may become established. And that you will prosper. Amen. Then said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time. Shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel. And two measures of barley for a shekel in the gates of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. Now that's what unbelief will get you. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Notice. In the natural, this looked impossible because the city is surrounded. Even the rich have nothing to eat. They've cut off all the supply lines. The enemy is just waiting for them to to reach their weakest point and then overtake them. And so in the natural, this is impossible. And the prophet stands up and says, Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow? Well, no wonder this man said, That is not likely to happen. I don't believe that. Amen. And he said, you'll see it, but you won't partake of it. There'll be people in this room, and there are people in this room already, who will see marvels, wonders, extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. And they'll experience them. Then there are other people that will see it, but it won't happen to them. It'll be happening to somebody else. Because they refuse to receive it. They let go of it too quickly. Can you say amen? amen? So the point is, don't ever give up on the word of God. Don't ever give up on the prophetic word. And you go on to read this. I won't take the time because I've got a lot more to cover. But if you go on to read this, there were four lepers who were sitting outside the city gate because they're not allowed in the village. Uh, because they have leprosy. Under Levitical law, they can't be among the crowd. They can't be in the village. So they're sitting outside the city walls. And they know the circumstances. Uh, The enemy is either going to invade and kill them by the sword, or they're going to starve to death. Amen. But they're sitting there, and finally, if you'll keep reading, one of them says to the others, Why sit we here until we die? In other words, in the natural, we have nothing working for us. Everything is against us. But why are we just going to sit here until we die? In other words, I refuse to accept defeat. Amen. 
Look at your neighbor and say, why sit here till we die? In fact, they decided if we're going to die, we're going to do it on the move. That's a whole lot better than just giving up. If it's not going to work, then it's not going to work while I'm still acting on the word. But if I keep acting on the word, it'll work. God is not a man that he should lie. So they said, why sit we here until we die? And then they got up and they started going toward the enemy's camp. Now they've got leprosy. And no telling what is their condition and what that leprosy has done to their physical bodies. One of them could have been missing a foot. Uh, They could all have been limping, dragging a foot. But they decided to go into the enemy's camp. We're not going to sit here and just accept defeat. And then God turned their footsteps into the sound of a mighty army. What the enemy heard was not, and they didn't even get up to look. If they'd have got up to look, they'd have saw four lepers dragging themselves. But what they heard was a mighty army. And it frightened them so that they just got up and run off. Left their gold, left their silver, left their food, everything. Just got up and ran off. Would you not call that a marvel, a wonder, an extraordinary manifestation of the greatness of our God? God can do that with people that won't give up. And when they got into the enemy's camp, they saw that no one was there. They left everything. So they began to gather it up. They began to to eat and strengthen themselves. And then they decided... It's not right that we take all of this with the city, our village. The people are dying of starvation. They don't have anything. They're they're just waiting until the enemy invades. But we need to go tell them what we have seen, what we've discovered. And so they did. And then the rest of the people came out, gathered up, spoiled, and so forth. And notice in verse 16. And the people went out. And spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel. And two measures of barley for a shekel. According to the word of the Lord. Say that with me. According to the word of the Lord. And when did it happen? Tomorrow. Just like the prophet said. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, I didn't stand up here and tell you tomorrow. You'll have marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestation. But the Lord did tell me to tell you, this year. This year. I said this year. Somebody shout this year. Well, the year's not up. Hallelujah. There's still time. Glory to God. Do you receive it? Then be steadfast with it. Refuse to give up. Don't accept defeat. God has provided everything we need to live in total victory. We don't have to accept defeat. Living in defeat is actually a curse. Deuteronomy chapter 28 says that living in defeat is a curse. Amen. And the Bible says in Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse. Amen. I don't think in terms of defeat because I'm one of the redeemed ones. Look at somebody and tell them I'm one of the redeemed ones. And since defeat is under the curse, then we don't have to accept it. Amen. I just believe that somehow, some way, God is going to see me through it. He's proven that to me for 50 years now. I've been under some Serious attacks over the last 50 years. Physically, financially, many other ways. In the natural, they'd have written me off a long time ago. But God. 
I said, but God, he just keeps right on coming through. And I like what the apostle Paul said. He delivered us and he will yet deliver us. Hallelujah. If he's ever delivered you once, he can do it again. Yeah, but you don't know how much money I need. Zeros added to the figure doesn't mean a thing to God. Just as easy for you, for him to get a million dollars to you as it is $10. Amen. Amen. I remember when Carol and I were hunting $10 just so we could get some milk and bread for our babies. Amen. Walking the streets looking for Coca-Cola bottles so I could sell them at the store. What did they get? Two cents a piece or something like that? And find enough bottles to buy a carton of milk. But I knew my walking the streets and looking for Coke bottles is not going to be the end of my story. Hallelujah. And I did it with a smile on my face knowing, praise God, I am headed out of Egypt and I'm going to the promised land. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And God proved to me, I don't have any problem getting a million to you no more than I can get Ten me or whatever it takes. Can you say amen? amen? So just keep adding zeros. It doesn't matter to God. The question is, are you going to resist defeat? Are you going to resist giving into it? Now, John chapter 16, verse 33. In the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. The Amplified Bible says, I have deprived it of its power to harm you. Amen. I have deprived it of its power to harm you. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why is that so important? Because most people in the world still think defeat. Not only that, many Christians still have a defeat mentality. The message translation says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. If you spend your time watching CNN, then you're going to start thinking like the world if you don't already. You start expecting everything they're expecting. And they're not expecting much in the way of good. Can you say amen? So he says, don't be conformed to the world. Somebody said, well, everybody's got to lose sometime. Well, people that think like that do. Amen. But we should be resilient. If we get knocked down, we get up. Amen. Book of Proverbs says uh, that a, a wise man might get knocked down seven times, but riseth again. Amen. When I fall, I shall arise. Hallelujah. Micah chapter 7 says. When I fall, I shall arise. Don't don't start rejoicing over me, enemy. It's not over yet. I might be down, but I'm on my way back up. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? When I fall, I shall arise. So don't be conformed to the world. Don't become so well adjusted to the culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Paul also tells us that we need to be selective about what we allow in our minds, our thought life. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, casting down imaginations. See, if you keep going around talking and thinking uh, this, this marvels and wonders and extraordinary manifestations, I'm not seeing them. It's not coming to pass, like Brother Jerry said. And if you keep thinking that, keep dwelling on that, it's going to drop from your mind to your heart, to your spirit. And once it gets in your spirit, then your spirit will do everything in its power to bring it to pass. Because out of a man's heart, he thinketh. As he, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Amen. And your spirit will do everything in its power to bring it to pass. Well, there's a lot of things that you have in your head that drop down in your heart that you don't want coming to pass. Amen. 
So the first thing is cast it down. Amen. Cast it down. Take authority over it. Casting down imaginations. Every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, if it doesn't line up with the word, then cast it down. The message translation says, tearing down barriers erected against the truth. Tearing down barriers that attempt to erect themselves against the truth. So don't allow them in your thought life. They're lies of the devil. Amen. He's trying to get you to give up. He's trying to get you to cast away your confidence. But don't ever forget, defeat in the life of a believer is never inevitable. It's never inevitable. As I've said many times in the past, I've already said it once this morning, it's never over until God says it's over, and God will never say it's over until you win. Can you say amen? That ought to be good news to somebody in here. God will never say it's over until you win. And of course, the question that a lot of people have, yeah, but how long does it take for me to win? It's very simple. Until you don't have to stand anymore. When does that happen? When it comes to pass. But how long will it take? Until you don't have to stand anymore. Yeah, but when will that happen? Until it comes to pass. So I just keep standing? Yes. When's it going to happen? When you don't have to stand no more. Duh. This is not hard. Amen. So the God of this world, and Paul refers to him as Satan, the God of this world wants to blind your mind. The Amplified Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that he's blinded the minds of them that should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing Blinding their minds so that they can't see it coming to pass in their lives anymore. Amen. When, when you can't see marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations coming to pass in your life anymore, that is an indication you need to run back to the Word and do it quickly. Amen. Do it quickly. Get in the Word. Get, get a hold of faith-building material, praise God. Go get some of them books and some of those tapes that you used to listen to that, that stimulated you and stirred you up and, and caused you to uh, look at the devil and say, you want some of me? <laughs> like Jesse would say. Amen. And determine that giving up is no longer an option. So don't let him blind your mind. Don't let him prevent you from seeing the truth. Amen. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. This, this is the verse or verses that changed my life when I first came to the Lord. John 8, 31 and 32. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And the key word there is continue. Amen. Continue. Look at your neighbor and say, Continue. First time I read that, and of course, I didn't know anything about the Bible. First time I read that, that little word continue, got as big as my Bible. It seemed to have jumped off the pages and into my heart. And I realized then, if I'm ever going to experience God's best in my life, in every area, then I'm going to have to develop the art of continuing. Amen. And that is something that I had never, never been good at. I'd get to a certain level, and I'd quit. I'd get under pressure, and I'd quit. Uh, at work, if they didn't treat me right, if they made me mad, I showed them I quit. <laughs> I'd have another job before dark, but a lot of times it didn't last six weeks, six months, whatever. I'd show them I'd quit. I'd have another job. The only way Carolyn could tell where I worked is the color of my uniform. Some mornings it'd be green. Some mornings it'd be blue. Some mornings it'd be gray. Hullet Buick, Jerry. Chivyland, Jerry. Hardernick and Mercury, Jerry. I was Jerry. But all them other names was a different company. Amen. 
But that day I found this scripture. When I made Jesus Lord of my life and I found this scripture, I realized then, this is the missing ingredient in my life. I'm a good starter. I was a good starter back then, but I wasn't a good finisher. I'd quit. First semester of college, I quit. Like two weeks to finish this semester, I quit. Got a letter in the mail. Greetings. Show up at your recruiting office. You're going to Vietnam. I showed them. I got back in college. <clears throat> but a different college where they didn't know my reputation for quitting. <laughs> now, I did serve my country eventually. I joined the National Guard and served my country and so forth. But it was just my pattern to quit. If I got under pressure, quit. Look for the path of least resistance. But you can't do that and expect God's best in your life. Amen. Amen. Having done all to stand, stand. If you continue in my word, you'll be my disciple indeed. What is a disciple? It's not only somebody that follows Christ. It's a disciplined one. In other words, if you continue in the word, it's going to produce discipline in your life. That's one of the things that, that I admired about Kenneth Copeland. And, of course, I knew his story or I learned his story over a period of time that he, he was more of a quitter than I was before he came to the Lord. But yet, by the time I met him, he was the most disciplined person I'd ever met and still is to this day. One of the most disciplined people I've ever met in my life. Well, the Bible says, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So I begin to follow the example. Amen. To, uh, to, to some people, I'm one of the most disciplined people they've ever met in their life. I learned that from Brother Cole. I learned that from Moore Roberts. I learned that from, from Kenneth Hagin, the discipline that came into their lives as a result of continuing in the Word. Amen? Now, if you get excited about the Word for a season, and then because nothing seems to be working and you give up, then, then you're, 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 you're be, you have just become your own worst enemy. Amen? Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't ever give up. <laughs> Amen. Amen. The Amplified says, Jesus speaking, hold fast to my teachings. Hold fast to my teachings. Always be totally aware that Satan is out to steal the word. Mark chapter 4 says that. Once the word is sown in a person's heart, Satan comes immediately, immediately. That means he'll start by the time the service is over and you start walking out the door. He'll start when you get in the car. He'll start on the way home. He'll start after you get home. He'll start uh, about the time you lay down tonight. Start in on you. You don't think that'll really work. Look at your circumstances. If this really was true, why are you in this condition? You're as good a Christian as all the rest of them. He'll start... All that stuff trying to get you to give up. Amen? But the Bible says, cast down every thought and evil imagination. Cast it down. And don't, don't sit there and dwell on it. Do it immediately. In the early days of my learning these things, there were times I'd have to get up in the middle of the night and just walk the floors with my Bible in my hand and pray in the Spirit, and quote the Scripture, and scream at the devil. And I'd finally get him to shut up, and I'd go back to bed. And it wouldn't be 15 minutes. He'd start in again. I'd get up, walk the floor, and pray in the Spirit, and quote the Word until one of us is going to give up. <laughs> Amen? And God never let me down. He brought to pass exactly what I was standing on, His Word, and he's been doing it ever since. So don't let him steal the word. If you let Satan steal the word, then you have no defense against him. Amen. That's like, you know, you go into a gunfight and somebody stole your bullets. <laughs> Just a, you know, hypothetical situation there. Don't go to a gunfight to start with. Amen. <laughs> 
But you want to be sure you got bullets if you happen to get in one. Amen. <laughs> An empty gun is not going to help you. And, and there, nobody's going to run away from you saying, this is a gun. It'll hurt you if I had a bullet. <laughs> no, that's not going to frighten anybody. And you saying, uh, I got a Bible, devil. I go to church. I got a, I got a star on my report card in Sunday school 40 years ago. That ain't going to help you. Amen. It's that word coming out of your mouth like rapid fire out of a machine gun. Hallelujah. That's what causes him to flee. Resist the devil and he will flee. You have to, you have to let him know in uncertain terms that if anybody's going to quit here, it's going to be you, devil, not me. Amen. Look at Numbers chapter 13 for a moment. Numbers chapter 13. I'm reading scripture that you're all familiar with, but it never hurts to remind people. The Lord spake unto Moses saying, notice every one of these stories I'm telling you, it's after God said something. Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel of every tribe of their fathers, shall ye send a man, every one, a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them. Now notice God's already talking about land that in his mind already belongs to them. And so Moses sent them out. You know the story. And there were spies that went to see if the land was exactly the way God said it was. Does it actually flow with milk and honey? Is there abundance there? Well, the spies went out, verse 25, they returned from searching of the land after 40 days, verse 27, and they told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. And they brought back the fruit and showed them it's exactly the way God said it was. But, now why didn't they believe the rest that God said. But we are not able to take this land. They're too strong. They're too mighty. But God said it was theirs. And he proved to them that it was exactly the way he said it was. Flowing with milk and honey. Abundance there. Now why would God bring to pass only part of what he said and not bring to pass the rest of it? They were able to take it, but they allowed what they saw and what they were thinking to influence them. And virtually they gave up. And then look at verse 30. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him, we be not able to go up against this people for they are stronger than we notice there was one in the crowd who had a different spirit one person stood up and said we can do this God said we can do it we can do it no 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 we can't do it the majority is saying we can't one man stood up and said we can and then finally he was joined by another And he said, we can. Two people believed what God said. The rest of the crowd said it will never happen. Which group do you belong to? Which group do you belong to? The two that had a different spirit? Or the crowd that said, it's not working. We can't do it. It'll never happen. But they had a different spirit. Hallelujah. In fact, Numbers 14 says that. Look at verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and had followed me fully. 
Him will I bring into the land whereto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Amen. Notice the people that believed it, the people who stood fast, the people who wouldn't turn back, the people who wouldn't give up, the people who wouldn't side in with the crowd. They got what God said. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those that's going to follow the people with a different spirit. Hallelujah. I'm going to have what God said I can have. And I don't care how long it takes. Time is on my side. Hallelujah. And notice, if you keep reading, they got it. Amen. They got it. It didn't happen overnight, but they got it. Praise God. So the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Don't allow him or anyone else to talk you into accepting defeat. Don't allow him to catch you off guard. Once again, if he can't deceive you, then he can't defeat you. Can you say amen? amen. Now, so far, I've, I've given you a lot of things that the Apostle Paul said but when, when somebody uh, tells me, having done all the stand, stand, and all the other positive things that you find in the Apostle Paul's writings, I like to find out if he acted on those things. Amen? It's one thing for me to stand up and tell you, don't give up, uh, don't faint, don't cave in, uh, don't turn back. But am I doing what I'm telling you? <laughs> I want to know if Paul lives this himself. Well, let's check it out real quick. Go with me to uh, the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And for the sake of time, uh, I'm going to read it from the message translation, beginning in verse 8. We don't want you to be in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia province. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we had been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get us out, we were forced to trust God totally. Goes on to say, and he did it. He rescued us from certain doom and he'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. Amen. So notice Paul is telling us uh, from the King James, it says, we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. So the apostle Paul is telling us, hey, I've been through situations like you have been through. Some of you will never go through some of the things that Paul went through. Amen. But he proved that he didn't just talk a good talk and preach a good sermon. He acted on what he preached. He did what he told them to do. Praise God. Amen. And he said in the natural, it was all over. There was no way that we could get out of this situation in our own strength and our own might and our own wits. We were forced to trust God. Amen. And they did. And God came through. And it convinced Paul that if he came through for us in this situation, then he'll come through for us in any future situation. Give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Praise God. Amen. In other words, this situation became beyond his control, but yet he wouldn't give up. Amen. Now, you'll find throughout the New Testament, particularly beginning in the book of Acts, where Paul has faced many times with situations that in the natural were impossible. Most people would have given up under the same circumstances. But he was fully persuaded that if he would not accept defeat, then God would always come through for him. In Lystra, it's recorded in Acts chapter 14, verse 19, he was stoned and left for dead. Stoned and left for dead. But the Bible goes on to say, he rose up. He got up, brushed himself off. Don't you imagine what a sight he was? These people that stoned him 
they were the best runk chunkers you ever met in your world, in, in your life. When they threw rocks at you, they didn't miss. Paul got up, probably eyes swollen shut, bloody face, bruises. But he got up, brushed himself off, and went right back into that same village and kept preaching, praise God. Sounds like to me, he acted on these same sermons that he told everybody else to act on. Having done all to stand, stand therefore, praise God. Amen. He rose up. He would not give up. He would not accept defeat. Amen. In Philippi, he wrote to the believers there while he was in prison facing death. And in the natural, no way to ever overcome this situation. But he writes in verse 19, for I know this shall turn to my salvation. In other words, he made a decision. It's not over until God says it's over. And I am not going to give up. They threatened him with his life, but he wouldn't give up. The message translation says, I know how this is going to turn out. Everything he wants to do in and through me will be done. I can hardly wait to finish my course. Hallelujah. That's the way I felt when I had that stroke. They said I would never be normal again. Never do the things that I'd always done. Never preach, never travel, never, never continue with my life as I had been living it. But I knew, Carolyn knew, my family knew, some of you knew, I had not finished my course, hallelujah. I'm not going to sit there until I die. Hallelujah. And look what the Lord has done. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. And I can hardly wait to finish my course. He goes on to tell the believers in Philippi in verse 25. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. In other words, what he said was, not only am I going to leave this prison, not only am I not going to die in this prison, but I'm going to be back with you and I'm going to keep teaching you on the joy of believing. Hallelujah. The joy of trusting God. Amen. And he did. So it doesn't sound like to me that he would accept defeat. They couldn't kill him until he finally said these words. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. My departure is at hand. And when he said those words, they, they, they murdered him. But I think his spirit had already left. They just beat up on a body that was left behind. But he finished his course. He would not accept defeat. Can you say amen? amen? So looking back on your life, can you remember how many times that God brought you out, God delivered you, God brought his word to pass? Can you remember the times when you were standing on the word and it looked impossible? And you felt like giving up, but you made the decision, I'm not going to give up. And God brought you through. Well, if you did once, He'll do it again. Amen. If he's ever fulfilled what he said in your life before, then he wants to do it again. So I want to encourage you this morning. Don't ever give up. It's never over until God says it's over. And look at your neighbor and you know how to finish it. And God will never say it's over until you win. Say it with me boldly. And God will never say it's over until you win. Give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Praise God. <laughs> Romans eight thirty one. If God be for us, then who can be against us? We can live with confidence that our God is able to handle any situation we ever face, any adversity Satan throws our way, if we'll just continue to believe him, continue to hold fast to his word, and determine that giving up is never again an option in my life. Praise God. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. One of the things I, I sincerely believe that God wants to do with these marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations of His greatness is not only in the, the realm of physical health and well-being, 
but especially in the area of finances. That God wants to do some marvels and wonders and extraordinary manifestations of his greatness where your finances are concerned. Amen. Brother Jerry, can he do that? Oh, yeah. Go read the story of Isaac, Genesis 26. Sowed in famine and reaped a hundredfold in the same year. And the Bible says, and the man waxed great. Another translation says he became richer by the day. Amen. That was a marvel. That was a wonder. It caused the Philistines to stand back and look and say, my, look what God has done in his life. In fact, in the Psalms, it says, even the heathen will say, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for them. You say, well, how would God do marvels and wonders and extraordinary manifestation of his greatness where my finances are concerned? Number one, don't make your job your source. Amen. Don't make your job your source. Thank God for the job. In fact, if you read what the Apostle Paul said, God gives us jobs not so we can make a living, but so we can make a giving. You missed that. Let him work with his own hands that which is good that he might have to give. In other words, if you quit looking at your job as your source and make God your source and consider your job as a means whereby God is supplying you with seed for sowing, then you're going to start experiencing marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations. Hallelujah. Amen. So I want to pray for you over that. And those of you that are watching, I want you to stretch your hands out. Uh, If you're watching on the internet, stretch your hands out toward your computer or your iPad, whatever. Join your faith with us in here. All of you lift your hands in here. And Father, in the name of Jesus... I pray over every person within the sound of my voice, whether they're here physically in this auditorium or they're watching by live stream or on the internet, whatever the case may be. I pray that just like we saw in the life of Jehoshaphat and the inhabitants of Judah, that even though they didn't know what to do, they chose to keep their eyes on you And you brought about a great marvel, a great wonder, and a great extraordinary manifestation of the greatness of yourself. We have our eyes on you today, Lord. You're our source. You can bring finances into our lives in ways that we couldn't dream up in a thousand years. We know that you're the God in whom nothing is impossible. You're the God of surprises. You're the God that makes things happen. And Lord, I believe that right now, while we're praying and while we're looking to you, you're working behind the scenes to cause bonuses to come, raises to come, money uh, coming into their hands and into their lives in ways that have never happened that way before. Lord, it's not uncommon for you to cause us to find money. It's not uncommon for you to bless us beyond our ability and our expertise. We're looking to you, Lord. Our eyes are upon you. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus for financial breakthroughs. For everyone who will dare mix their faith with it today. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Lord, I pray for those people that that don't have jobs and are believing for jobs. You're the way maker. You're the one that makes things happen. You're the one that makes a way where there is no way. Lord, I have testimonies. On my desk, even right now, in my office, 
where people were believing for jobs and in the natural couldn't find a job, looked as though all their training, all their expertise is worthless because they couldn't find a job where they could apply all of that. But you came through for them. They wouldn't give up. And many of them write in their letter. And Brother Jerry, I have a better job than I've ever had before, making more money than I've ever made before, with more benefits than I've ever experienced before. God, that's the way you are. That's the way you are. Now, you prove that in the story we read in Second Kings and in the story we read in Chronicles, that, that they carried away more than they could possibly load themselves up with. You're the God of abundance. You're the God that makes things that seem to be impossible, possible in the name of Jesus. So Lord, I believe you're working behind the scenes right now and testimonies are being birthed in the spirit. Hallelujah. Testimonies are being birthed in the spirit and soon they're going to be voiced in the natural. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, shout and say, I receive it. I receive it. Hallelujah. 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 Amen and amen. Put a big smile on your face. Turn and look at two or three people and say, you are looking at someone who refuses to give up. Amen. And then tell them very quickly, quitting is never going to be an option in my life again. Amen. Give somebody a high five and say, I believe it in Jesus name. Give him one more shout of praise. Hallelujah.